We're going to start with a word of prayer this morning before we jump into God's Word and really listen to what it is that God wants to teach us through His Word today. I'm convinced that He has a very important message that He wants to speak to us, and I want to pray that our hearts would be open to what it is that God desires to speak into our hearts and our lives today. So if you would with me, why don't you bow in prayer, and let's go before the Lord's throne again. Father God, how awesome and great you are, and we thank you for the time that we've had together to this point, just to be able to lift our voices to you in song, just to be able to praise you for who you truly are. And Father, as we have been focusing this morning on the freedom that you have given us in Christ Jesus, when we think about that freedom, Lord, We just always have to come to the cross and be mindful of what it is that Jesus Christ did at Calvary for us. Surely, indeed, we have been set free by Jesus Christ, but that freedom came at a great cost. It cost our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ his life. And so, Father, we just want to say thank you for first sending your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you for your willingness to go to a cruel cross, hang there, pay the penalty for our sin, and that you rose on the third day. You are not a dead Savior. We have the privilege and the honor of walking in relationship with the living Savior today, and we are grateful for that. So, Father, I pray that you would just hide me behind your cross today that people will very clearly see Jesus Christ high and lifted up because you tell me in your word, if he be lifted up, you will draw people unto him. And that is my desire this morning, is that people would very clearly be able to see who Jesus Christ is and that that we would just be able to worship him and that we would just know him for who he really is. So, Father, guide us and direct us through your Holy Spirit now Open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to see, hear, and receive what it is you want us to hear and receive. And Lord, help us not to simply be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, it's always good to see all of you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, you're going to want to go ahead and open them up to John chapter 8, the 8th chapter of the Gospel of John. If you've not been able to be here on Sunday mornings, we have been walking through the Gospel of John verse by verse. We, are, we have entitled this series of messages, Getting to Know Jesus Christ, Believe and Live, because that is really what John's desire was for his readers. He wanted them to understand who Jesus Christ is, and as a result of understanding who Jesus Christ is, that they would believe on Him and that they would experience life to the fullest. That was Jesus or John's desire for His readers. And we very clearly have seen that. I shared with you when we first started our study in the Gospel of John that of the four Gospels, John's Gospel is the most unique. The other three tend to focus a whole lot on the ministry of Jesus Christ while he was on earth, really what Jesus Christ did. It looks a lot at the stories and the miracles that Jesus Christ performed, 
But when we come to the Gospel of John, John tends not to focus as much on what Jesus did as who Jesus was. Do you remember the opening words of the Gospel of John? John introduces us to Jesus Christ as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God in the beginning. Man, and everything after that flows out of that opening verse of Scripture. In that whole first chapter, John is just stacking one characteristic after another on top of one another, introducing us to who Jesus Christ is. And then after that, we have all of these great I am statements where Jesus Christ is introducing himself to the world. Remember what we've learned so far? Jesus Christ has announced himself as I am the living water, and whoever comes to me will never thirst again. You know, we live in a world where mankind is very thirsty, not physically thirsty. We have plenty of water in America, but they are spiritually thirsty, aren't they? They are searching for meaning in life, and the answer to the meaning in life is found in Jesus Christ. That's the reason Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. That is Jesus Christ's desire for every single follower of His is that we would experience life to the fullest. So this is my question for you this morning. Are you experiencing life to the fullest right now? You know, oftentimes, our feelings about experiencing life to the fullest is tied to the circumstances of our life. But I would tell you, you can have life and have it to the fullest in spite of what your circumstances may be. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about being set free. I don't know about you, but I like that word freedom. Do you like the word freedom? Yes, you know, our country values freedom, doesn't it? As a matter of fact, we are found on the principle of liberty and justice for all. Our First Amendment guarantees us certain freedoms, doesn't it? Yeah, freedom of speech, freedom to assemble, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, even the freedom to petition our government. We live in a country that is built on the basis of certain freedoms. But can I tell you this morning, it is possible to experience all of those freedoms and still not experience true freedom in life. It is. And the reason it is, is true freedom is not found in a political realm. True freedom is found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. 
As a matter of fact, in this story we're going to look at this morning, in John chapter 8, Jesus Christ is going to announce himself to his group of listeners, a group of Jewish men. He is going to say to them, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I will say something about this story. When I come to this story right here, it's one of those stories that oftentimes when I'm finished with it, I have far more questions than I do answers to the questions that I have. Have you ever found yourself like that in the Bible? You read, your, read a passage of Scripture, and when you're done with that passage of Scripture, you're like, oh my goodness, what is it that is being said here in this passage of Scripture? Well, I will tell you, in this story, there is a lot going on and I can honestly tell you, when I finish with this story, I just have a ton of unanswered questions about what it is that Jesus Christ is saying. So what I want us to do this morning, I want us to dive off into this passage, and I believe that God has something great in store for us. He's going to teach us something very important this morning through the words of Jesus Christ. Now let me give you a little bit of the context of what is happening here. Jesus Christ is speaking to a group of Jews. Jesus Christ makes that statement to them and says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, the Jews bragged about being a nation who had never been enslaved to any other people. As a matter of fact, in this passage of Scripture, the Jewish men are going to say to Jesus Christ, don't you know that we are descendants of Abraham? We have never been enslaved to anyone. What I find most ironically about this passage of Scripture is this, when they're speaking these very words, they're living under the oppression of the Roman government. The government of Rome, the, the empire of Rome, is actually the ones who control the area of Palestine. But they announce to Jesus, they are thinking that Jesus Christ is speaking about political freedom. Jesus is not speaking about political freedom. They're living in the physical realm, and what Jesus Christ is living in is the spiritual realm, and He is saying to them, I want you to know something very important. If you come to me, you will experience spiritual freedom in life. If you will trust in me, if you will place your faith in me, what will take place in your life is you will experience freedom from the power and the penalty of sin in your life. You'll face freedom from the control of your selfish appetites and desires. You will experience true freedom if you can just come to me. Now listen to me. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... You've experienced all of that in your life. When Jesus Christ hung and died on the cross, He hung and died to pay the penalty for your sins. What was the penalty for your sins? Death. That's what it was. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Do you remember that? That was the penalty of sin. Physical and spiritual death. But at the cross, Jesus Christ paid that penalty for us. Now get this, this is so good. Daily, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are daily dying to the power of sin in our lives if we're walking in the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live under the power and the effects of our sin. 
Our selfish appetites and desires don't have to control our lives if we're walking in the Spirit. Now, this is the great news, all right? We have died from the penalty of sin. We have died from the power of sin daily if we're walking in the Spirit. Now, get this. One day, you and I will die from the presence of sin in our life. We will be glorified. We'll receive a glorified body and sin will no longer reign in this old body. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know about you. That excites me to think one day I'm not going to have to worry about that. Isn't it? So we've died from the penalty of sin. Daily we're dying from the power of sin. One day you can look forward to dying to the presence of sin in your life if you know Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is going to speak about that freedom that he offers to people in this passage of Scripture. As I said earlier, this group of Jewish men bragged about never being enslaved to anyone. But I want you to hear what Jesus Christ says in this passage of Scripture. Verse 31, follow along as I read. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Now that's important. Just underline that word, believed him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and never have been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now listen to how Jesus responds to that question. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So what is Jesus Christ doing? He's using an illustration from everyday life, something that they could understand that was applicable to their life. Have you ever noticed that Jesus Christ was a great teacher? He was the master teacher. And what Jesus Christ would do is he would take something from everyday life and taking something, an illustration from everyday life, he would teach a very important spiritual truth. Do you see that here? He says, hey, every one of you have seen slavery in Rome. It is estimated that there were over a million people who lived in slavery in, in Rome who were servants in homes. He said, now the servant has no place in a home. Isn't that right? But the son, that is totally different. The son has a place in the home. He uses that to illustrate whoever we are a slave to who is the one who owns our lives. If we are living for sin in our life, that is the master of our life. If we're living for Jesus Christ, he is the master of our life. Now listen to what else he says here. Verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Now when I listen to what Jesus Christ says there, right there in that verse, it seems to indicate to me something is going on in this passage of Scripture. It just doesn't make sense to me. Did you hear how John started this text? He says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. 
Then coming down here at the end, Jesus Christ seems to indicate that these people had never believed in him. Did you hear what he said here in verse 37? I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. Do you see that? Oftentimes when I read this passage of Scripture, as I stated earlier, I walk away with more questions than I do answers to the questions. For instance, is it really possible for a person to believe in Jesus and still not be a true disciple of His? Seems to be the indication of the passage of Scripture, right? I will tell you, I have grappled with this all week long. John starts this passage of Scripture by introducing this group of Jewish men as men who had believed Him. The Him there is a reference to Jesus Christ. But then at the very end, it seems that Jesus Christ is indicating that none of them were true followers of His. Did you hear what he says here at the end? He says here at the end, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. And when I read that, I ask myself the question, what in the world is going on in this story? What is happening here? What is taking place? A number of different people have tried to explain what is happening in this text in a number of different ways. Some people say, oh, well, what's taking place here is at the beginning of the story, it refers to one group of people. And then later on in the story, Jesus Christ is speaking to a whole other group of people. Actually, what has happened is we have two groups of people in this story. And that is not true. When you read this text, this story in the Greek, it is very clear there is only one group of people that Jesus Christ is speaking to. And it is very clear at the opening verse of this passage of Scripture that He refers to a group of Jews that have believed Him. But then Jesus indicates that they're now trying to kill Him and His Word has no place in their hearts at all. Others have suggested that what Jesus Christ is describing or teaching here for us are there are different levels of Christianity. That there's an introductory level, if we could say it that way, where a person trusts Jesus Christ, he believes on Jesus Christ, but that doesn't necessarily make him a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I would tell you, that contradicts what we learn in the New Testament. Nowhere do we ever see taught in the New Testament that there are different levels of Christianity. The word disciple, the word believer, the word follower of Jesus Christ are synonymous of one another throughout the New Testament. They all refer to a person who has placed their trust in Jesus Christ. So what in the world is Jesus Christ talking about in this passage of Scripture? Well, I would say it like this. There's only one conclusion that we can really draw. It is possible to make a superficial confession of Christ and not be a true follower of His. That means there are real disciples of Christ 
and there are unreal disciples of Christ. Both have made some kind of profession, but only one has made a genuine confession of Jesus Christ. Now, you know something? That really shouldn't surprise us. As a matter of fact, I would say that is very consistent in what Jesus Christ has taught throughout the book of John. Go back over to chapter 2 of the Gospel of John. Just flip over there, and I want you to hear these words. This is a passage of Scripture we have already studied. We've already talked about it. Jesus Christ cleanses the temple. After the cleansing of the temple, John gives us a summary of what's going on in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now listen to what he says here in verse 43, chapter 2. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, now get it right here, many believed in his name, that is the name of Jesus, when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust to them or did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and no one needed to bear witness about man for he himself knew was what was in the heart of mankind. And then he goes on right out of that passage of Scripture flows the story of Nicodemus and very clearly in the story of Nicodemus we are taught what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now look again with me. Turn over to chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. This is a passage of Scripture that we read not long ago that we studied. Jesus Christ has just finished this very challenging teaching. He comes to verse 60. This is what it says. When many of His disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in Himself that His disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do not take offense at this. Then what if you were to... Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending where He was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are of spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who were who did believe in Him and those who did not believe in Him. Now listen to verse 65. And He said... This is why I told you before that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Now listen to verse 66. It is the key. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Do you see it? clear, isn't it? What is so very clear in this passage of Scripture is this. It is possible to make a superficial confession of Jesus Christ and not truly know Him as the Lord who saves. That is what Jesus Christ is teaching in this passage of Scripture. Some believed. That's what it said. So Jesus said to the Jews, who had believed Him. Jesus later on says, I want you to know something. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in your heart. Now listen to me carefully. This is very, very 
important. A true disciple of Jesus Christ, a true follower of Christ, one who is a believer of Jesus Christ, is one who has trusted that when Jesus Christ hung and died on the cross, he did it for me, he paid the penalty for my sin. And apart from Jesus Christ, I am utterly helpless and hopeless to do anything to change my condition before the Lord. The only thing I can do is fall down before God and cry out, Oh God, please have mercy upon my soul. Lord, what I need more than anything else is your mercy and grace in my life. A true disciple of Christ is one who has been saved from their sin, rescued from the wrath of God, and is at the present time enjoying eternal life right here, right now. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now listen to me carefully, folks, because I think that we don't clearly speak this from the pulpits of the churches. It's not enough just to accept the philosophy and the teachings of Jesus Christ to be saved. That is not enough. Simply accepting what Jesus Christ says will never ever save you. It's trusting in Christ that what He did at the cross, He did for me. And apart from Him, I am utterly hopeless and helpless. There is nothing I can ever do to make myself right with God. And the only thing I can do is cry out. God, please have mercy upon me. Now let me ask you an important question this morning. Does that describe you? I didn't ask if you had been baptized. I didn't ask if your name was on a church membership roll. I didn't ask what committees you chaired, or if you were even a deacon in this church. That's not what I asked. I asked, have you trusted Jesus Christ in that way? That's the only difference it makes. At the end of the day, when we stand before the Lord, He's going to ask the question, why should I let you into my heaven? You can quote all the scripture you want to quote. You can talk about how long you were a member at the church. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, the Lord who saves, I will tell you on that day, it will not be good for you. It will not be good for you. But there's a second question that I ask when I approach this text. I want you to listen to what it says because... I mean, it is so revealing to me, and I do not hear this preached in churches today. I want you to listen to what it says here. It says in verse 31, So Jesus said to the Jews who have believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. Did you hear that? This is what Jesus Christ is saying. The true indicator of a follower of mine, a disciple of Christ, a true indicator is that person abides in my 
word. You see it? Now, don't be upset with me. I'm just reading what is here in Scripture for us, okay? These are the words of Jesus Christ. They're not mine. Jesus Christ says, if you want to know if you're a true follower of mine, true followers of mine, abide in my word. Now, the opposite of that is true as well, right? If we're not abiding in the word, then we have to ask ourselves the question, am I a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you see how easy that is? Jesus said, if this is who you are, if you're abiding in my word, you are a true disciple of mine. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. That word abide simply means to remain in the word. You ever seen anything that remains in water for a long time that is porous? What happens? Eventually it becomes what? Waterlogged, doesn't it? Yeah, it absorbs the water. This is what Jesus Christ is saying. The person that is a true follower of mine, a disciple of mine, a believer of mine, this is what will happen. The Word of God will be absorbed in their life. They will hunger and desire and long for the Word of God. That's what Jesus Christ says here in this passage of Scripture. On more than one occasion, I've heard people make statements like this. I've heard someone make the statement, well, you know, I really love Jesus, but I don't love the Bible. Or I've heard them make statements like, hey, you know what? I really love Jesus, but I don't really like going to church and sitting under the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. And when I hear those statements, I think to myself, that just doesn't make sense at all. That doesn't add up with what is taught in God's Word. Jesus Christ very clearly says in this passage of Scripture, if you abide in my Word, it indicates that you are a true follower of Jesus Christ. If you don't abide in the Word of God, that is an indicator that you are not truly a follower of Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it's meaning? Yeah. I mean, we just have to be honest with the passage of Scripture and what Jesus Christ is saying. Now, what is unique about this passage of Scripture is this. I have missed it for years. I have read this passage over and over again, and I have missed this one word. Listen to what Jesus Christ says. If you abide in my word, singular, not plural. Do you see that? You know, the first time I read that, I thought, well, surely not. Surely Jesus is saying, really, we must abide in his words, not just word. But then I began to realize exactly what it is that Jesus Christ is trying to teach. Later on, Jesus Christ is going to say, if you abide in me, you're a true disciple of mine. But here he says, if you abide in my word, you're a true disciple of mine. And what Jesus Christ is clearly teaching right here in this passage of Scripture, the two are inseparable. You cannot talk about how much you love Jesus Christ, but then not love his word. 
The two are intricately linked together. You can't separate the two. If you truly love Jesus Christ, you'll love His Word. If you truly love His Word, you'll love Jesus Christ. Do you see what he's saying? It was like a light bulb that went off. I had never seen that before. When I read this, Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciple. Now I want you to hear what Jesus doesn't say. This is going to be shocking to some of you. Jesus doesn't say, if you, do, if you abide in my devotional book or in a devotional book, you are truly a disciple of mine. That's not what he says here. Do you see that? But oftentimes, I, I was shocked when I came back to America from, from the field, and this is what I began to realize. Oftentimes, Christians put more stock in what their devotional says than the Word of God. Now, I'm not opposed to a devotional book. I have a bunch of them in my offices. I even read commentaries to help guide me in the understanding of a passage of Scripture. But Jesus Christ very clearly said here in this passage of Scripture, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Do you see that? It is the word of God. Not what someone has to say about the word of God. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Now when I read this, this is the question that I always walk away with. If abiding in the Word is so very important, I must ask myself this question. What does it truly mean to abide in the Word? Wouldn't you agree with me? If Jesus Christ says that is an indicator of being a disciple of his, a believer, a follower of his, we must ask the question. Don't you think it begs to be, be asked and answered? This is what I would say. If you're writing, you'll want to write these three down. To abide in the word first means to live under the influence of God's truth, his word. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you see that? Now listen to me carefully. I just want to, I want, I just want to, I want to come out of the closet here, and I, I want us to understand something. This book right here doesn't contain truth. This book is truth. It has all truth for the life of the believer. Every single word in this book is inspired of God or none of it is inspired of God. That's the truth. It is all God's word or it is not. That's the reason very clearly it states that all Scripture is God-breathed. It is alive. It is the very breathed-out words of God is what we hold in our hand. And if that is true for our life, we should be persuaded that the word of truth is true and that truth should dictate all the decisions concerning my life. Whatever it says for me, I should live by it. Do you see what I'm saying? Now think about this for a moment. Think about how radical this is if we live by the truth of God's word. 
Jesus said to forgive others. Well, I'm just going to forgive people. That's kind of radical, isn't it? Or the Word of God says not to gossip about people, not to talk to them about behind their back. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just not going to gossip about people and talk about them behind their back. Do you see what it is to truly live under the influence of God's truth, His Word? Number two, to abide in the Word means you have experienced the power of God's Word at work in your life. The Word of God is powerful and living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. These are not dead, archaic words. They are alive. And they have the power to change your life and my life. Number three, the last one. To abide in the truth means you value the Word of God. It is precious to you. You can't get enough of it. You are drawn to the treasures of God's Word. There is nothing you are more attracted to in life than the Word of God. You desire to be nourished through it. You desire the Word of God. That's what it means to abide in the truth. Now let me ask you a question. This is a very important question. Does that describe your life? Does that describe your life? Do you hunger and thirst for God's Word? When God's church gathers for teaching and preaching of God's Word, is there a longing in your heart to be there among God's people? Do you abide in the truth? I didn't finish the story earlier in chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. But if you read just a little bit further down in that story, you'll realize this is what takes place. After all the disciples desert Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ looks at the ones that are remaining there. It's the 12, the apostles, the ones that he had called. And this is what he says to them. Will you not leave me as well? And of course, you know who spoke up on behalf of the apostles, right? Peter. And Peter looks at Jesus Christ, and this is what he says. To whom will we go? You are the one who has the words of eternal life. Do you see it? You see what Jesus Christ is very clearly saying in this passage of Scripture? The true disciple is the one who abides in my word. They are the ones that have been born again. They've experienced eternal life in their heart, in life. They desire to be fed by me, to be nourished by me. They long 
for my word. Is that who you are this morning?